Blog Talk Radio. Well, I hope this thing is on. Uh, welcome to our first live Blog Talk Radio broadcast. Uh, I just did with Jim Bazinski. I don't know if this thing is working. We haven't done this before, um, but we are trying out a, ver- a new live format with callers if people want to call in. And I don't know, Jim. This is <laughs> we're not. We're not uh, reinventing the wheel, but uh, it, it feels that way. I mean, we went from no wheel to what is that music? Is that our music? Yes, I, uh, I I put it into the system, the studio. It's called. Ooh, well, that sounds exciting. Yeah, very exciting. So yeah, so the, the SB Nation has a new. Uh, I guess it's a couple months old, partnership with Blog Talk Radio that allows all the SB Nation blogs to create these shows on air. And and we decided after my computer <laughs> crashed and killed about four of our podcasts in the last two months to, to change platforms to this. Yeah, so, we actually had our first, one of our first on-the-road podcasts. That was in Iowa City, Iowa. Oh, really cool to be broadcasting from a remote location. And then you write me the next day and say your computer crashed. My my, my hard drive has died eight times over the last nine months. And the company that I have the repair warranty finally wrote me an email last week and said, look, can we just buy you out of this contract? We clearly cannot fix the computer, which I was, which I've been telling them since September, but they finally relented. Yeah, so here we are with our first live broadcast. Um, it is a few days before the Super Bowl, and and I kind of couldn't care less about the Super Bowl because there's two teams in it that I really. It's not that I hate them. I just kind of don't like some of the players, and there are no players on these teams that I really like, but. Jim, on the other hand, um, will be cheering heartily for the Seattle Seahawks. Oh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> well, I just, this to me is one of the most interesting, ma- if just as a football fan, the first time in 24 years we have the number one defense against the number one offense. Yeah. And it's fascinating to see, normally there's a wild card team or there's something, and this is one where you say, well, something got to give. And I'm not sure what the what the something is. So even if it wasn't, I'm mean, a huge, huge Peyton Manning fan, so I really want Denver. So even if it was two other teams, I'd be fascinated by the matchup because we Denver's not played a defense anywhere near as good as Seattle all season. But Seattle hasn't played an offense anywhere near as good as Denver. Yeah. So you're kind of looking and you're looking for common opponents, and they both had five common opponents that went four and one. And they both lost at the same team. I mean, the Colts. <laughs> the Colts can claim they beat the uh, Super Bowl winner. Um, and so you're kind of like, I, saying, I don't. I'm looking for an edge and an angle. And it sounds dopey, but it comes down to basically who makes the plays because there's not anyone clear. Oh well, Manning's going to pick on this guy, or you know, this lineman's going to have five sacks. And um, and it's weird. I'm not. A, I mean, I love Peyton and I want the Broncos to win. 
but I don't have I'm neutral to the Seahawks uh, as a yeah. team. I guess they seem like they're so isolated <laughs> up in the Northwest. They don't have I don't know any Seahawks fans, so they're not pissing me off like it normally happens. You wind up finding one or two fans that make you want to root against that team. In this case, it's like oh, I don't even know anybody that roots for Seattle. So yeah, it's. It, it is an interesting matchup, and and you know what I what I like is two very talented teams, particularly on one side of the ball or the other. I mean, that 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 Broncos offense with, could you say it's the best receiving core in football? I mean, they're they're uh, you got Demarius Thomas and you got Julius Thomas, tight end, Wes Welker. I mean, it's it's a pretty good group of guys, and then and then you got a fantastic offensive line that, to me, in the AFC Championship, was collectively the MVP of the game, and and, and they have played fantastic in both playoff games. Has, has Manning even been hit? He was sacked once in two games. That's I mean that's fantastic, and part of it obviously is is Manning get rid of the ball, but even when he has to hold the ball, nobody's getting near him, and with the pass rush for the the, the Seahawks, I mean, that's going to be really interesting part of the game to watch. I mean, I'm I'm less interested in watching the receivers versus Richard Sherman and and Peyton Manning trying to pick apart the, the linebacking core than watching those the the, the the Broncos offensive line go up against the Seahawks defensive line because I feel like that could be where the game is won and lost. Well, having watched every Denver game this season. Uh, the two game, two of the games they lost. I mean, they lost the Patriots game, but that was that was just a weird game with eight yeah. turnovers. Uh, the San Diego and Indianapolis game. It's a one time. Both times their offensive line got dominated, and it really affected the whole offense. It kind of. I mean, they scored thirty three against the Colts, but it was there was a lot of times where you know they sacked Manning and forced the safety and stuff. So Seattle's defense is, is really good. So if Den, you're right, if Denver wins the offensive line, if you tell me at the end of the game Manning's not going to be sacked, I'll say, well, probably Denver wins. Yeah. Um, and, and historically, like any quarterback, if you put pressure on him, I mean, look at Brady and the Giants' first Super Bowl. It was the Giants' pass rush that, that won that game because they simply didn't give him time to throw. Um, and so I think the same thing happens here. And conversely, I think people are ignoring Denver's ability to run the ball, which has been really good as of late. And so I'm wondering if they're going to sort of counterintuitively, if, they, if Seattle plays the pass, check off to some play at the line of scrimmage, it's a run. Yeah, or, you know, one of their little uh, their little pick plays. or I mean, they have – it's interesting. I mean, Manning, Manning can do pretty much whatever he wants at the line with his audibles, and he gets everybody to the line quick enough to do it. So – yeah, I don't know. It, it, the, the running game for the Broncos has just been kind of non-existent in in the playoffs, and 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 in a lot of games, there was a stretch in maybe October and November that that they really uh, featured the run. And well, except the last two games, they really have run the ball very effectively when they've had to. When it, I, mean, I mean, so that's why I think it was interesting. they haven't been relying on the run, but when they needed to run, and a lot of it is simply the way they call plays. Um, I don't people know how that that Adam Gase is this actually rather hot young thirty six year old assistant. He's the uh coordinator and they have a thing, him and Manning kind of a mind meld and the, he calls two plays in the in the headset as they're getting in the line of scrimmage and or in the huddle and Manning gets to pick one. 
or he'll simply tell them a situation. He'll say, we need five yards for a field goal to get in field goal range. And based on that, Manning will call play. The play against the Patriots where they handed off to Moreno and he gave 28 yards, that play was designed to pick up five yards and get him in field goal range. Hmm. And, so they got, and so that's the kind of stuff they do. And Gase will often come up with plays they've never run once in the season. He'll come up with them on a Thursday or Friday and say, why don't we try that? So it's effective for them because on the fly they can adjust. And one thing Seattle doesn't do on defense, they pretty much just line up and play. They don't do much disguising. Right. So either that's going to be a good thing or it might be, like, oh, he's figured them out by, you know, halfway through the second quarter. So I, I just don't have a feel. Well, a lot of times I've seen Peyton Manning's offenses struggle in, in, in the first half of games or in the first quarter and, and you can almost, you could see he's just struggling with figuring out mentally what the defense is doing and how many times have we seen him in the fourth quarter or just even to start the second half, just offense just comes alive because he saw a couple things and he has some plays to, to, to attack it. It gets the defense on their heels and, and suddenly it becomes a blowout. And, you know, it was so interesting when you think back to the last time that he was in the Super Bowl, what the Saints did to just throw a wrench into that and attempt an onside kick. You were yeah. to start the second half, right? I mean, well, that was, that was genius. Yeah, I still want to kill the Colts player who claims he lost the ball because he claims he heard the ref say it was their ball and he let go of it in the bottom of the huddle. I think if you ever see Hank Baskett in Indianapolis, he'll be strung up <laughs> because it was the lamest sort of excuse. But, yeah, teams tend to do that against the uh, against Manning's team, they have to play a little more aggressively. That's why Bill Belichick went for it on fourth and two a few years ago. He wouldn't have done that against any other team. He would have punted. Um, so there's the wild card. And the we're not been talking about Seattle's offense, which has been wildly inconsistent all season. There are weeks when it's just, I mean, they're scoring 10 points and they're scoring, you know, um, you know, 12 points, and they're scoring 14 points, and then they can explode. So I just, I kind of don't know what to expect from their offense. Well, frankly, and and when I look at these games, uh, when you have one side, like like one battle that's dominant, you have a great offense versus great defense, I often look at that other side, that team with the great offense, when their defense is on the field. And, and yeah, the, the Seattle offense, when, every time I've watched them, and I've missed some of their high-scoring games. Every time I've watched them, I kind of scratch my head, like, how are they scoring? And then the Broncos, on the flip side, they've had games where their defense looks like Swiss cheese. I mean, yeah. the Cowboys just carved them up. And it, was, it took a, 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 a typical Tony Romo interception in the final minutes of the game for the Broncos to pull it out. So, yeah. Well, and conversely, in the playoffs, Denver's defense has played. They've given up like almost half as few points in each game as they did the regular season. So, what is, does that mean? They're gelling at the right time, or they simply, you know, had two good games? Because that—that's where, to me, it could be that even if you tell me the Broncos get shut down relatively, maybe their defense holds Seattle to 17 points, and so Denver only needs 20. Yeah. That yeah. It, it, in some ways, that's the bigger matchup. And the Broncos can be burned by the big play. And one thing Russell Wilson does do, he buys time, runs around, and he's so deep. Yep. And so as a some of the Broncos, that makes me nervous. And Percy Harvin, who's been basically AWOL the whole season with injuries, is healthy this game. And this is a guy who is so explosive that, you know, 
Also, one more thing no one's talking about is the, uh, the, the return game. Denver hasn't had to cover a kick since week 17. Wow. Because they kick them all out of the end zone and right. get Mile High Stadium. Well, and I doubt that in New York he's going to be out of the end zone, and you have Percy Harvey. <laughs> what if they break, the, they break for a touchdown? Oh, it's going to be, and people have been talking about the weather for this game for a year, and it looks like it's going to be somewhere around 40 degrees at kickoff. It'll probably drop to maybe low 30s by the time the game's over. And there's a slight chance of some precipitation and a, and a light breeze. It says, you know, 5 to 10 miles an hour. So the weather shouldn't affect the game too much. People talk about Manning's troubles in the cold and the snow, but there's not going to be any snow, and he's also had success in the cold. So a it's lot of the, the wind. It's the wind that is the yeah. worst thing, because that Patriots game, it was the wind that was the factor in that game. I mean, you saw how Denver barely – stupidly didn't throw the ball and they had the win at their back which still is bizarre um but yeah and and one other factor that i don't think people talk about seattle doesn't play as well away from seattle right denver plays relatively better away from denver than seattle does away from seattle so i'm curious to see without that 12th man if that is going to have any impact because the uh, New York Times had a really good story about how Super Bowl crowds are the dullest crowds of any football game in every year. <laughs> it's like Al Michaels and Jim Oswald to be doing on a soundstage, because most of the crowd is basically people who got tickets for whatever reason. They're not necessarily fans of the team. And so you have a lot of, like, you know, at home, like Manning will kind of silence the crowd when he's on offense. Well, there might be silence the whole game. <laughs> The, the Broncos practice yesterday, they normally turned the decibel level up. Well, they turned it down because John Fox said the Super Bowl he was at against the Patriots, they had no problem hearing anything. Right, yep. So you have this odd thing, and I read there was 18,000 tickets that are still sort of available on the, the whatever, the secondary market. Hmm. Well, because, yeah, I mean, people were asking me, I want to go to a Super Bowl, and you and I talked about going. And when I looked at this one, I said, you know, I know a lot of people in New York, but I don't want to go to New York for the Super Bowl. And, and I imagine there's a lot of people. I mean, Seattle to New York and Denver to New York. For well, and you, have to stay out, and you have to stay outside. And Peter King had a good point. He goes, for a Super Bowl, you've got to get to the stadium several hours before the game because of the security lines and everything. And so, you know, you're outside for maybe seven hours. Yeah. Versus, you know, you get an indoor stadium. Once you're inside, you're fine. And I have the same thing. I have a brother who lives in Manhattan. I could have stayed with him, but schlepping to the game itself would be a pain in the ass. And it just sort of had this feel of, yeah, why do I want to go through all that trouble and then freeze my butt off for six, seven hours? Well, you're never probably going to get warm. Yeah. Well, I uh, certainly don't want to go for Seattle, Denver, I'll tell you that much. I'm glad I didn't book my ticket. Well, if I, got a, I guess if I got a free ticket, I would have considered it. But well, well, our, friend, our, our, friend, our friend Dave Copay, just sorry to interrupt, one of his good friends is a set designer, and right. so he is the set designer for the NFL awards the night before. Oh, yeah. You know, he does the ESPYs. He does the academy. You know, the guy could care less about football. He's leaving Saturday night right after the show. Oh, he gets free tickets to the game he was. I didn't care. And he didn't offer them to Dave. <laughs> I think maybe Dave, but if Dave doesn't, Dave doesn't send us anything. I don't want to fly all the way and pay for a hotel and then I have to sit in the cold for six hours. The other problem is you go as a – I know Dave, is a, a Dave likes Peyton Manning, too. You, you go because you're excited because for your team, and, and you stand in the cold for seven hours, and you lose. Oh, 
that's all. When, I, when the Patriots were 18 and 0, and I I thought, you know, this is, might be the one time I go, and I said, if I go and spend all this money and they lose, I will feel like shit. Thank God I did not go. Yeah, and plus having a a giant big screen TV is one of those things that makes it hard not to watch the game at home. Yeah, where like if Denver loses, the minute the game's over, I'm out the door. It's like that's I'm not going to sit and listen to the post game and you know. Yeah, I know you will be in at Dave Copay's and and in, enjoying some some pasta or pizza. I will be at a beautiful home in Hollywood with. 200 of the most attractive men in Los Angeles and, and probably wearing virtually nothing. So I will I will take my, my experience, and I know that you'll take your experience over the freezing cold of the Super Bowl. By the way, a lot of people don't know that at the beginning of the season, we have a, we have a contest every year, and, and we both had the Broncos in the Super Bowl, but Jim had the Broncos versus the Seahawks, right? I did. Who did you have winning the game? I had Denver winning the game. Denver over well, that was just because of Peyton Manning. Uh, but Which I'm glad I did because the very expensive dinner pool. The other guy in, that's in the live in the pool had Seattle over Denver. Um, so wait, so oh, do you need Denver to win? I need Denver to win to win the pool. Wow, I thought you had won already. Wow. No, I'm actually two points behind. Wow, all right, I thought you'd won. All, right. All season, I was wishing I'd taken Seattle to block Jeremiah. Now I'm glad I have Denver. Right. What, you, what is going on with your phone? Put that thing on silence. Oh, I can't. I can't. Si- it's my. It's my landline. I can't silence it for some reason. Whatever reason. All right, stop. <laughs> you, you I cannot. No, there's no way. I can't put it on silent. You know what I do because I have a landline. I, I just unplug it. Well, I'll have, well, whatever. Well, the, 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 the callers can listen to my phone ring, so I turned it as low as I can call it. So. Um, can you, there you now I, I turned it way down, so it shan't bother us again. <laughs> anyway, yes, I need Denver to win, and uh, Jeremiah gets Seattle, and the winner gets dinner anywhere in the city of Los Angeles, paid for by the five other people in the pool. So it's a nice, uh, very nice uh, pool. Yeah, we've had some some great dinners over there. Yeah, I don't even know where I would go this year if I won. Pick something good. Yeah, but what's what's out there? What we have? What haven't we been to? I'm not going to the $500 plate sushi thing place. Oh no, 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 no! I don't know. We could find some classic place or something. Find some place. We, we can always go back. I mean, we've been with this year number 17. I mean, you could start yeah. eating some good places. Well, I did like Jar. I, I, I've heard nice things about Jar, nice steakhouse. I haven't been there yet. I've been there. It's it's fine. It's fine. It's fine. It doesn't feel special, but, you know, we've kind of exhausted all the places that feel special. Everything that's kind of special, special, like we've been there. So, well, I mean, I even have a choice, so I'm getting ahead of myself. Exactly. Uh, enough Super Bowl talk. We also wanted to talk well, wait, about... Wait, wait, we never gave our picks. Oh, we got to at least make a pick. Wait, no, you're picking Denver. Um, yeah, I'll make both of our picks. Jim's picking Denver, and for to win the game... I mean, I think Denver will win because I I do think that experience matters. Having been there, the quarterback has been there a couple times, and I don't know. It just I 
I just get the feel that some Seattle players are just happy to be there. Wes Welker's been there a couple times for the Broncos. I don't know if anybody from the Seahawks has been to the Super Bowl. No, it's the first time since the 1990 Bills that no team has, that team has no player who has any Super Bowl or coach who's had any Super Bowl experience. Yes, I, you know, I mean, I appreciate a Marshawn Lynch kind of removing himself from the whole media day thing and, and preparing mentally, but uh, I don't know. It, it just feels like if Manning goes down without having won another Super Bowl, you know, people are going to continue to, you know, he's not the great, a great quarterback because he didn't, he, he didn't even win as many as his brother. Well, I don't know. You beat the Patriots, um, however much I didn't like that, and then you go and you win in Eli's house, your second Super Bowl. I think I think that's the only way this can end. Well, I hope so. I've had that same feeling that it did. Well, I, I thought it wouldn't be right if they had lost to San Diego in the first place. Okay. <laughs> that would have been, but I'm just picking. I just think I think Manning will make enough plays and have and the Denver defense. I, I think it'll be a low-scoring game. I think the Denver defense will be the <clears throat> X factor that people aren't paying attention to. Who's going to be the MVP? Uh, Peyton, unless they, unless literally. He does nothing in the game. They almost always give it to the quarterback for the most part. You know, remember the year that Peyton won? I mean, the one Super Bowl, he shouldn't. I mean, the MVP was a running game, but they weren't going to give it to two running backs. Dominic Rhodes. Dominic Rhodes and Joseph Adai. But it happens every year pretty much. The quarterback generally wins unless. um, Yeah, the first year the Patriots won the Super Bowl, Tom Brady was the MVP, and the MVP of that game was. Was it Ty Law? Ty Law, yeah. I mean, yeah, so yeah, exactly. So. You should have been. Um, we have a, we have a, a few minutes left, and we wanted to talk about. Actually, we were going to, we were going to start with this, and I just jumped right into the Super Bowl. Um, God, athletes coming out last year. We we had we counted seventy seven, though I know it, it, the number is now seventy four. Who came out of the closet in two thousand thirteen, and this year we've already had a bunch of people, and and you know we know next week we're going to have a couple more stories and. I just feel like this is this is this this is going to be such a huge year, and one of the pieces of that I think is football. We, we, we've been talking to a, a college football player who just finished his senior season, who is going to come out next week on Out Sports publicly. But this week we had Connor Mertens, who was a who was a Division three redshirt freshman kicker, who who came out publicly for the came out to his team on Monday, came out to the world on Tuesday. And I know, Jim, as we were talking the night before the story broke, we talked about how many shares it might get and how many page views it might get. We both threw out. You had a number. My number was a little bit higher. I think the number was, if you combine both of our guesses, that was the number. Yeah, it's been amazing. Which, you know, I've seen some people say, you know, because well, the night before I tweeted out that, you know, a college football player came out to his team tonight, tomorrow we'll, we'll share the story with you. And some people tweeted, a bisexual redshirt freshman Division three kicker, that's the story? But it was everywhere. Why? Well, because it's billed as the first publicly coming out. I think that's why. That was the angle the rest of the media picked up on. Which then raises the question, the guy next week, what if we had done his story last week? And then he would have been the first. Yeah. So then I'm curious then if we had written that story first, if Connor's story would have gotten the same level of attention. Well, the guy uh, from, from, from the mainstream sites, I guess I'm talking about, because that's what the mainstream media has hit on is 
is the whole he's the first publicly out and to be clear we mean you know the media has told the story there have been several out players to their teams in college while playing and we've written about them after the fact but connor's the first that's sort of the media had known ahead of time this guy's playing he's active and he's out so that's the distinction yeah, people said a lot of people said, "Well, oh, this is untrue. You forgot about Brian Sims." Well, even Brian took to Facebook and said, "No, Sid was right. I came out. I did not come out publicly, and I, I he said he only came out to his team at the end of the season. So I, some of some of his teammates knew, but the entire team did not know until just after the national championship game of the senior season. So, but it's a Google search. Well, that's a quick thing. If you can do a Google search of the guy's name and gay, that's publicly out. That's sort of our definition. Right. And in Brian's case, he could not have at the time and, and several others. I mean, we do know of one guy that we've been talking to who was out to his entire team while playing. And he may tell his story, but he's, you know, he's graduated, but he wasn't publicly out meaning he didn't, the media didn't know about it, or he didn't right. tell the media about it. Right, exactly. Actually chose to not tell the media about it, simply didn't want the attention at the time. Yeah, and Jim and I have been trying to coax him to tell <laughs> a story. Because I, uh, for, me, for me, football is, is king, and, and that, that is why this got so much attention, why it was on Fox Sports and ESPN and uh, everywhere. And because it's football. And, and people still think that football is totally different from the other sports, that it's totally impossible to come out. And, and football is king in, in, in the United States. It's the most popular sport by a mile. So whether it's a redshirt freshman kicker at a Division three college coming out as bisexual, it's a big deal because it's football. Mm-hmm. And I, I just want to try to find as many football stories this year as possible. It's kind of one of my missions. I want to even if – even just – you know, we've done a good job of tracking down straight NFL players to talk about this stuff. I want to find even more of them and more gay football players to talk. Because if we, if we win football, we win. Well, and just the reaction of Connor's teammates and the coaches to this, it's like, you know, he's going to be starting his career. and no one, I mean, in a good way, no one will care. Yeah. Well, nobody does care. And in his entire team, I mean, you know, talking to him all, all of – Last week, as he was telling his coach, and, and then the coach told some team leaders, and just the really wonderful stories of team leaders texting him and calling him and meeting up with him and embracing physically embracing him and and mentally embracing him, and and then to have team uh, be told on Monday, and 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 Wade Davis was there in the room, and he said it was it was clear that I mean, obviously, probably somebody was uncomfortable, somebody didn't like it, but it was clear that the team as a whole overwhelmingly appreciated this kid and embraced this kid, even though he's just a redshirt freshman kicker. Yeah, I think it's wonderful, and I think the reaction has been fantastic to it. And um, he seems, has he been surprised by the reaction? Shocked. But the, <laughs> I, I told him the night before the story, he had, he had 700 base Twitter followers. And I said, by tomorrow at this time, you'll have 2,000. And he's like, oh, give me a break. He had 2,500. <laughs> and and the, the reaction, he got a call from Fox Sports. And so Fox Sports is sending up a crew from L.A. this week or this weekend to interview him and the team. And and so it's, yeah, it's, I mean, he's just been stunned, overwhelmed by the reaction. 
it's also another sign of how this is a good way to do it. You do it in the off season, and by the time the season rolls around, it's less of a story. Absolutely, I always tell athletes don't do this during the season. I mean, well, we uh, yeah, it's on a related issue. We have a great we have a great story up by uh, Ryan Quinn on gay Olympians, and he has the same point about they should not come out right now, but they should have come out, you know, two years ago. Right. So I, you know, I wonder for that if, if some of them did, you know, start seeing the the whispers coming from Russia, and and they decided not to do it because of that. I don't know. I just well, we know at least two, two women that came out in reaction to the Russians doing it, like a "screw you" thing was cool. Who was that? Who? who? Uh, the Bell Brockoff and the uh, Anastasia Bushis, the uh, Canadian speed skater. They both came out after the Putin stuff to say, hey, I'm gay and I'm going there openly now. Right. So, yeah. Well, I guess we're winding down our first live <laughs> podcast. I'll be curious to hear how it actually went when I go back and listen to it. Uh, Jim, any any parting thoughts for the day other than go Broncos? I was stunned. I heard this woman come on and- 30 seconds, like what? <laughs> I didn't know we had a time limit, but that's why I kind of wrapped up my comments. Well, it's, nope. it's good, otherwise you'd be talking for another half an hour. So, All right, well, that's all the time we have today. Uh, we will check back next week. Next week we're going to have Dave Zirin on from The Nation, and we'll talk about politics and so uh, We will talk to you then.